0: episode you've all been waiting
1: for. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals, and I'm Colleen Sharp, and I have two co-hosts with me today. What? I know. <laughs> no, it's not even, I'm Colleen, and this is Angela, it's I'm Colleen, and I have two co-hosts with me. I have Angela Whitehorn and Ashley do Dun-dun-dun-dun!
2: Super <laughs> surprise guest here, Ashley classic It is so good to be recording with you guys. Looking forward to this so much. Woo-hoo.
0: This is the episode we've all been waiting for. Uh-huh. All the theology gals together. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I love it.
1: It's like a party. Yeah, <laughs> theology class.
0: Oh boy, are we going to have a party with this topic too?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. so to bring Ashley back, we just picked like a really boring topic. Peezy, no, controversial.
2: Yeah. yeah. I was like, I won't come back. Unless we talk
0: about leggings. That is the only (laughs) Okay. Ashley, Ashley, I have to ask you. I Uh have to ask you. When Colleen asked me to help out for a little while with Theology Gals, Uh one of the things that she led with was, Angela, it's going to be really easy. We don't ever do controversy. Uh And I just want to know when you two started the (laughs) podcast, is that how she sucked you into Ashley? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, totally. Controversy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Here we are all the controversy later. <laughs> I
2: know. We I think we got a taste of talking about controversy. I don't know. Sometimes last year, sometime last year, and we're like we don't know how to do normal episodes anymore. <laughs> we just got to Oh, w- whatever people are upset about this week, we're going to
1: talk about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's just do that more. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what? I think I think one of the things is that I didn't anticipate certain things being as controversial as they would end up being. So, hmm. you know, in my mind, we're not gonna talk about politics. We're not gonna yeah. p- talk about Donald Trump or the social justice movement or, you know, any number of things. But there are things that I didn't think we'd ever talk about that we have kind of yeah. talked about. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it's true. Although I will say, Colleen sounds so sweet, you guys.
1: She's a mastermind. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With picking these topics. So,
1: yeah. Well, this, this one that we're doing today really was birthed out of all three of us kind of discussing yeah. this topic and be, well, before we get to the topic, I did just want to say, Ashley, it's so great to have you back. And how is little Teddy doing?
2: He is great. He's 10 months old and he's very, just a very happy, everyone who meets him is like, is he like this all the time? And I'm like, yeah, like, and I don't know, you know, cause it's my first baby. So I'm like, I mean, sometimes he cries, you know, but mostly he's just a pretty calm little guy. So he's really fun. He makes us laugh all the time. Um, yeah. It, it's just really fun. I mean, it yeah. was a shock. It was a shock, you know, the first three mm-hmm. months after he was born, I was like, I don't know how people have more than one. And then once you get over that, I was like, oh, okay, this is really fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's that phase. And I've talked about this with my friends. You you go from having the baby and thinking, I will never do this again, to right. I can't wait to have another one. This is yes. so much fun. And, you know, <laughs> although when I was in labor, I think with my third one, I looked at my husband and said, why did you let me do this again? Yeah. He said, I couldn't stop you. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted more babies.
2: We choose to forget the pain. Yeah. And-
1: yeah. Like it wasn't that, it wasn't that bad, was it? I mean, I was mm-hmm. screaming and crying and saying nasty things to my husband, but I don't think it was, I could do it again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I remember distinctly the words coming out of my mouth. I could do that again. Yeah. <laughs> What was I, I
2: I remember being at the mall because we were kind of cooped up in our house, you know, as people are when they have newborns. And my husband was like, we need to like go outside. Let's just take the baby and we'll go somewhere. Um, And I was like, okay. So we went to the mall and we're walking around the mall and um, my husband is wearing the baby in our little ergo thing. And people were walking by me with their children and I'm like, Wow. Like this is how like dazed I was (laughs) like in that newborn days. I was like, wow, people all over the world do this. Like (laughs) normal people look at that couple. They look normal. They, they, they survived. They got through the newborn phase, you know, like it was just like, I just thought it was so hard those first few weeks, but then you get, you get past it and it's like a lot of fun.
1: I think um, children that you have late, it becomes easier. You know, I mean, it's still obviously a lot of work and, With my second, I was so worried about how my first was doing. So that was a big distraction for me. Like, I got to make sure the first is okay, because we're just changing his life drastically by bringing another human around. And, but it, but I knew, you know, I knew what to expect more. I think maybe Mm -hmm. that's the best way to say it.
2: Once they start smiling at you, and then once they start sleeping, you're like, okay okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is, this is cool. I really enjoy this and, and I, I really
1: do. So that's great. Well, I think it's been, actually, I think really almost since the beginning of the podcast and Angela in many conversations too, one of the things that we have all talked about and that, and now we've talked about it, the three of us together is that within our circles, and maybe even just in broader American Christianity, that there are a lot of different views and you'll see extremes. So, and, and you also see reactions. So for instance, um, purity culture, you know, you have right now, uh, there was, we did a whole episode on that, if you're not familiar with it, but, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but purity culture, there was a lot of damaging things in there. And so there's a lot of pushback to purity culture, but maybe a little bit too much pushback, maybe a little too much the other way. And there's, there's several things. Areas that we've seen this, and we've often talked about. It. In fact, Ashley, I can think of so many times that you've said to me, "I think I'm just in the middle on this one." You know, I don't believe in that extreme. I don't believe in that extreme. I'm really in the middle. Yeah, it's and, very
2: lonely in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that is because then, it, like, when we've talked about feminism and patriarchy, we're like, nobody likes us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The egals
0: think we're patri- patriarchalists, and the patriarchy thinks that we're egalitarian. Yep. Here we
1: are, just on that yeah. narrow little strip of grass, <laughs> all by ourselves
0: yeah. in the middle. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. And, and what we've re- really realized is, is there's a lot of overcorrection. And you know, I looked up a definition to, of overcorrect, and I thought that that this definition really described it well, to make too much of a correction, to adjust too much in attempting to offset an error, miscalculation or problem. And so we want to kind of talk about, talk about overcorrection and, and ultimately going back to the Bible, because mm-hmm. I think that's what we really want to encourage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Um, should we give like an example, like
2: say, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I, I think the reason, I mean, we've been talking about doing an episode on this for a really long time, but recently we, we've been talking about this because there was kind of, um, a debate going on in the online world about modesty and, it was like one side would say something and I'd be like, yeah, I don't totally agree with that, but there's something right in what you're saying. And then the other side would say something and I'd be like, well, there's some right there too, but I, I think that's an overreaction. So mm. it was like, uh, there's got to be a right answer that's somewhere in the middle here, um, but uh, got a little pushback for saying so. So um, m- maybe we could dig into that that example.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well. Let me tell you um, one of the things that started the recent controversy i know I don't remember how long ago it was, but I'm going to bring up the United Airlines one first okay um, there was a situation where a couple of girls um had leggings on, and United Airlines said, "I'm sorry, but you cannot board the plane what now my husband works for United Airlines, so I'm going to be a little defensive of this one, and the reason is is because these were not normal passengers who paid a full pair of a full fare we have um We have special passes, and I don't know which one that they fell into. That's either employees. So my husband and I and all of my children fly for free. And then we have something called companion passes. They're discount passes. But both employees and companions do you have a dress code? And I do think that it's United's right to say, hey, we're not going to allow this. But a lot of people said, but why say that? And so that's one of the things that happened. And then it was just a couple weeks ago that a mom wrote a letter and she wanted no... Notre Dame the school to not allow leggings I think it was specifically in mass, but you know she was going into mass and you seen these gals with leggings and she's the mom to sons so i I can relate to that um, and so a lot of people again <laughs> was you're not going to tell me what to wear but let's let's back up though just in Christian circles why don't you guys talk about um, some of the extreme views um, maybe starting with some of the conservative, on the conservative side.
0: Well, you know, I think this is, you know, as we've been talking about this, what we have noticed is that in American Christianity, there are a lot of extremes and they're sort of two abstract things that are as different from each other as possible. So one great example, um, so-called Christian patriarchy and then so-called Christian feminism, complete opposite completely different ends of the spectrum. And I think one of the things that we see with with these extremes is that sometimes people in either of those camps, they will see anyone who is not clearly in their own camp as automatically being in the other camp. So if you push back at all on patriarchy what you're going to get immediately is, "Wow, you feminist!" And if you push back at all on something like egalitarianism, egalitarianism you're going to hear, "Oh, wow, you're oppressive to women, aren't you? Just patriarchy." And um, you know, I think that this is this is um, an error is to see camps that are out there and allow ourselves to believe these are the only choices. And ultimately, where we get our truth, we talk about this all the time on Theology Gals, where we get our truth is not that there's a camp out there that tells me that patriarchy is the answer, or there's a camp out there that tells me egalitarianism is the answer. Where we get our answers is the Word of God, and we go straight to the Scripture, and we let that refine us and change our views. We don't go in with a view and say let me baptize this by finding a way to support this from the scripture. We go to the word and we let it change us and refine us and tell us what it is that we need to believe and how we need to live.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, So specifically with, I think that was a really great um, summary and specifically with um, modesty. There's one side that says, here's a list of all the things you can and cannot wear and right. there's there's the other side who says no i can wear whatever i want and um it's up to you men to not lust that's on you um and that was the one where we were really scratching our head going okay there's got to be some these both sound wrong
0: yeah <laughs> you know? right it can't be that okay you can wear even just a potato sack and if i'm lusting for you Then it's still you because you're a woman who existed. But it also can't be, hey, I can wear whatever I want up to and including completely naked, standing in front of your face. And if you're lusting, sorry, not my problem. Yeah. Look
2: away. Just look away. Exactly. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. on you. Yeah. So I think that was the thing that really, I mean, we've talked about overcorrection on a lot of things, but we thought, I get that making a list for women and saying, here, you got to follow this list. And if you don't, it's your fault that men are lusting. That's very oppressive and very legalistic. Yeah. But the wrong answer to that is to then turn around and go, you can wear whatever you want and you don't need to worry about anyone and what you wear. It's just, it's a free for all basically. Um, right. that, that's, that's a disproportionate um, response to that, to that issue.
1: Right. Well, and so speaking of modesty very specifically, I think one of the things that we're really seeing happen and what both of you are describing is, especially in the 90s and maybe even early 2000s, was purity culture. And what happened in purity culture, we did a full episode on it, is that women were told, you need to dress modest so that your brothers don't lust after you. And a lot of gals that were in that lived in fear of men lusting after them. And that became their primary motivation. Then if they had a situation Mm -hmm. where a man is looking, they're attempting to dress modestly. A man is looking at them, um, you know, in an inappropriate way. And they're like, I must, I must have done something wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. because I, if I, I, it's my fault that my, this guy is lusting after me. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and I think, so what we're seeing now is an, an overreact or not an overreaction, but overcorrection to that, that. And so at the end of the day, guess what? Men are to be pure in thought as are women. And men are to have self-control and not lust after women. And women are to dress, dress modestly that that's what we do know from scripture. And specifically let's, you know, this is something, believe it or not, when we were going to do the modesty episode I said in our group what should we talk about several people said can you please talk about leggings and so we're gonna just talk really really briefly um about maybe not super briefly but um I there is a gal that wrote a que- a post, I'm going to put it in the episode notes about leggings. And I don't remember the exact title. It was like, of course, men lust after women in leggings. But she says, the real question is not whether or not leggings should be worn. I wear them to the gym myself. The real issue is how they're worn. So let's talk about that. Are leggings ever appropriate? And if so, should we be mindful?
0: (laughs) I'm going to go on and put my cards on the table and say that I do think that there are times when leggings are appropriate, and I think that it is possible to wear leggings in a way that is modest. Um, And, you know, we talked about some, uh, you know, it's funny, you mentioned our modesty episode. I do think that we did not talk very much about leggings. Now we're doing a whole episode on leggings. So, you know, I do think that there is a, a way that they can be worn that is modest. And so on our modesty episode, we actually talked about that um, modesty includes things like context, um, even uh, something like a very modest swim dress bathing suit is appropriate at the beach, but it's not appropriate Sunday morning worship service. Mm-hmm. So context matters a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not going to go uh, say, Hey, the only thing that matters is your heart. I think mm-hmm. that, that there are some things that are objectively immodest. Mm-hmm. Even if your heart thinks that you're fine, you're good to go. Um, for me, um, I, I think that a gym and working out context can be appropriate. I think that um, making sure that all of the parts are covered and that um, there's not a whole lot of things out on display, I think that's very important. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is my standard for myself. You know, if my husband um, is not concerned with me leaving the house, looking the way that I'm dressed, then that's a good test for me. So,
2: yeah. I would agree with that. Um, I is, and I think context matters. That was a really good point where you, we think about what we're going to wear tomorrow um, to church differently than we think about um, the pool or the beach or, um, but I also, there's also the issue of, and this is why you can't make a list for like here, you know, here are the things you can and cannot wear is there's different body types and different, Mm, different, like there might be something that one of you wear that, does not look appropriate on me, or vice versa. You know, like it. There's a, there's just a lot of considerations, um, and I think that's part of the context. And I think about when I went on a missions trip to um, the Navajo Reservation in um, Arizona, and you know, we had several meetings at our church up till as up up to the point of us going where we talked about the trip and so on and so forth. And one of the things they said is, um, women, please make sure your shorts don't wear shorts above your knee. Um, simply because there's a slight, you know, cultural difference. Um, and it, it could be perceived as, um, inappropriate to be wearing shorts above your knee. And so I think about that. I'm okay with wearing shorts above my knee at home, you know, Going out and about Mm. here, but when I'm going to another place that has a different understanding of certain things, I do have to be considerate and be aware that that is perceived differently there than it is here. And I I think that's, I think that's like a charitable thing for us Mm. to do.
0: You know, you just said charitable, and I think that is such a key. Um, That is something that stood out to me um, in the conversation going on, um, online that all three of us saw and, um, Ashley, you and I both participated just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, there was, there were statements made about leggings, um, that were, I think a little extreme and very hard line, um, very, very little room for, um, you know, exercising personal wisdom,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then there were some pushbacks that were too far in the other direction. That that essentially boiled down to, "I wear what I want, and it's always your problem and always your fault." Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, it made me think about. Well, you know, we t- we've mentioned purity culture a couple times so far, and and one of the difficulties in purity, purity culture is that it makes a man's lust primarily the woman's responsibility. And there's sort of this underlying idea that men are uncontrollable. They yeah. they have no control over, mm-hmm. over the lust. And we know that's not true. But then the overcorrection is not true. Hey, I wear what I want. It's not my fault if a man lusts. Um, I I can wear anything and I want to, I want to go to some scripture here and read this. I'm, I'm still talking about how you brought up charity, Ashley. Mm -hmm. Um, this is Romans chapter 12. I'm starting in verse nine. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. Um, And I I was reminded of this verse um, during that conversation. It came to my mind that, you know, there was a lot of standing up for my rights of, I can do this. I can do this. You can't tell me what to do. And it just was not being devoted to one another in brotherly love. It was not, you know, outdoing one another Mm -hmm. in giving honor to the other person. Um, You know what that should look like in the body of Christ? Mm -hmm. No, please let me meet your needs. No, let me meet your needs. No, let me meet your needs. And we should be going higher and higher on how can I serve you? How can I meet your needs? That should be on our mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think that should come out in our conversation on how we talk about these things.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that has really stuck out to me is some very godly men that I respect, even in the Twitter conversation, came out and said, this is very difficult for us. Mm. And these were not, these are not men that, you know, are out there saying, don't wear your leggings, you know, or things like that. These are, you know, pastors and theologians that I highly respect. I actually put a post in a small group that I'm in about it with that and asked the gentleman there about it. And if if this this is so controversial because men are struggling when they mm-hmm. see this. And I think that we need to consider that. Now that by me saying we need to consider that, I'm not saying it's my fault if they lust. But mm-hmm. you're right. talking about charity and I, I think that there is an aspect of it that is charitable. And so I, I wear leggings actually quite often, but I wear them with a long sw- shirt or sweater that covers up my, my rear and my other regions. And, <laughs> um, and I think that that's important. You know, I, a couple of the gentlemen that I spoke with, and then I've also spoken with my husband and I have four sons. Um, they, they all said that it's, that's even more difficult for them than a short skirt or, mm. um some other things that we speak of as being immodest. And so I think, I think that we need to consider that. I did some research. Sometimes I've noticed lately that sometimes when the topic of modesty comes up and someone says, well, men think differently, you know, they're very visual. And some women will come and say, women are the same way. Okay, generally speaking, and this is proven scientifically, men are going to be more turned on physically Um, by sight. And it it is something I don't think that I even fully understand it, Mm -hmm. how that works, because I'm not a man. But um, they can have a, a physical response to seeing a woman. And now I do think that and I've told my boys, you are going to run into women that are dressed immodestly in life, at the grocery store, at the bank, at your job. There's no way to avoid that. And so, yes, we're speaking pr- more about the women. So, um, you know, I, I've told my boys that they are going to run into immodestly dressed women. They are going to be tempted to lust and all of this. And so there should be an emphasis that men, are, men and women are to be pure in heart and in thought and, and that is something that needs to be talked about also. But just because it is a man's fault, um, if he lusts, does not mean that we then turn around and say, well, I'm just going to wear whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, or "I sh- no one's going to tell me what to wear. I should be able to wear whatever I want.
0: Yeah, and I think that that, um, okay, so uh, perhaps the man's sin was the lust, but I think it's possible that um, there are ladies uh, in Our Christian community who their sin is not is failing to love their neighbor um, by caring about something that we can do um, to help our brothers. And I want to back up and think a little bit more about um, something that you were talking about, Colleen, about um, men who we respect being willing to talk about this. Um, and you mentioned, you know, that it's something that maybe as women we don't fully understand um, what it's like to have a, a response um, to something visually. Um, and I want to piggyback off of that and say um, I think there are women who um, maybe can come close to that. But for women who who don't personally understand because they aren't wired that way, I want to add and say we don't have to understand to be um, Christian women in a community and listen lovingly to what our brothers have to say and believe what they have to say. We don't have to have personally had that experience to listen to them and believe that they are, they're not being nasty. They're, they really are trying to um, control the eyes, control the lust, but they're telling us this is difficult. And I can listen to that and have, have compassion, have charity and go, okay, I, I, I believe you when you say that it's difficult, and I'm going to think about that and consider it. Um, and I do think that that is outdoing one another in showing honor.
2: Yeah, and I and I also think that it's not just because we can, just because we're saying we are doing a kindness to our brothers in Christ by being a little more choosy about what we're wearing, does not mean we're saying we are in any way responsible for their sin. We're just like, I, mm-hmm. I think people equate those two things. They say, well, if you're saying that we need to um, think of our brothers in Christ and what we wear, you're saying we are responsible for their sin. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what yeah. I'm saying is um, they are responsible for their sin, just like I'm responsible for my own. Um but we can, you know, that, that we're charitable, we can be charitable and we could be just kind to our brothers in Christ and thinking about asking our husbands and whatnot, what are the things that are hard? What, you know, what, you know, cause, cause in some ways we just don't know cause we're not, we're not them, you know? So yeah, I don't think those two things are incompatible, but that's what it was being made to seem like they are. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, let's look real quick at what scripture says it in first Timothy two, nine and 10. It says, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather the means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. And first Peter three says your adornment must not be merely external braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry. Or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of gentle uh, gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. And, you know, I looked up in the Bible dictionary. You guys know I do that uh, under modesty. And it said the quality or state of being unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities, behavior, manner or appearance intended to avoid impropriety or indecency. And so. The reason that we women are called to be modest is because it's obedience to God. That's why we are called to be modest is, I mean, that, I'm sorry, that is why we are to be modest is to be obedient to God. And modesty is not just showing skin. I mean, that's not what it's about. It can, it can be other things. And Angela, you and I talked about that in the modesty episode.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's anything where you're intentionally drawing attention to yourself Right, I mean, that's exactly. what it, that's what I see in those verses. It's like I see gold jewelry and braids and think, well, that's kind of odd. But it's just a very, I mean, different cultural thing that would have drawn attention to themselves. Um, and we know what those things are in our culture. It's just different.
0: Absolutely, I mean, it could be showing off your money. It could be bragging about your skills and abilities. It could be so many other things that are not dress. Um, but it can't be reduced where modesty is never about dress either. So um, that is is certainly wrapped up in this idea of not drawing attention to yourself.
1: And one thing I was going to say earlier too, and I see this very often, is sometimes people trade one error for another. And that's why it's so important for us to go back to scripture. We've seen that with people that come out of new apostolic reformation. They'll they'll mm-hmm. leave that, and then they'll embrace another error. And so this is why it's so important for us to go back to the Word of God and say, what has the Lord called us to? We're going to kind of move on from that. I did want to remind everyone that Angela and I talked very specifically about modesty in another episode that I will link in the episode notes, because there's so much to consider with it, you know, culture and um, so many different things that we consider with that. And also just on modesty, because I think both of you have said this and we said it on our, if on our modesty episode, at least for us married women, if you're unsure, ask your husband, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's been a time where I put something on and my husband wasn't really paying attention. And I said, I don't know, is this appropriate for church? And he said, uh, you know, I'm not sure it is maybe better to wear something else. And so I, I think that's always helpful for single women. You know, maybe you have some older women that are in your lives that you can go to.
0: You know, Colleen, you just jogged my memory about something. Um, you're you're just talking about examples of people that we can ask for input on on whether or not what we're wearing is appropriate. And I think this brings to my mind that I think that there is a very appropriate way to have this conversation. And then there's maybe some inappropriate um, or unhelpful ways to have this conversation. And, you know, I was thinking about how this conversation was happening online and thinking about, um, you know, precious younger teenage girls that I have known in the past who maybe wear things like leggings or a shirt that's a little too low cut or whatever it is. And they are coming up um, just learning what it is to be a woman. They're becoming a grown woman. They're going through that awkward phase. And, you know... Sometimes we need this gentle conversation of, hey, let's rethink what, what we're wearing here and let's think about whether or not this is appropriate. And there is a way to have that conversation. And I just think about those sweet younger girls when I see these harsh conversations going on online where it's said, you should never leave the house in that. It's underwear. It's always inappropriate. And I just imagine those sweet little girls being just crushed by this because the self-esteem is still in flux and all of those sort of things. And I think there is a very appropriate way and maybe appropriate people to be delivering this information. Um, And I I am not convinced that um, the harsh... Broad statements online are the most appropriate way for us to have this conversation,
2: right? I, I totally agree with that. I I think there's a way we can be winsome in how we talk to people about things like this, or just about any convictions that we have. We we don't need to be harsh, you know.
1: And I thinking about those young girls, Angela, and I think about legalism because one one side of this of a lot of debates, it ends up on legalism and legalism can lead to either rebellion or self-righteousness. And so you can have Mm. a young girl that says, well, goodness, I'm going to wear whatever I want. I'm not going to live up to that jerk online. Or she can turn around and stop wearing leggings altogether and dress super modestly and feel really proud of herself. So legalism is not, is, is really not fruitful. And then thinking about what you were talking about, uh, the way we approach it. I'm going to go back to what I said on the, I think it was a how we behave online episode that I taught my kids to, At you know, something might be true. It might be true that leggings are modest, but going out and saying that right out harshly to somebody who's maybe young in the faith or maybe not in the faith at all is probably not wise and neither is it fruitful.
0: Mm-hmm. I you know I think um, one of the keys here is giving one another the benefit of the doubt. you know, I think about um, most of the Christian women that I know, they truly are making attempts to be modest they are and are there times perhaps when when there's a failure and and eh, maybe I'm not gonna wear that again. yeah. I think that does happen, but I do think that most of the Christian women that I know are trying. And likewise, I think most of the Christian men that I know are trying when it comes to lust and they're aware they don't need to be pounded all the time. And if they have the courage to step into a conversation online and raise their hand and say, Hey ladies, this is hard. Can you, can you just know and believe me when I say that this is hard, man, they don't need to be called nasty names and told you're yucky. And I mean, it takes courage to tell the truth that way. And so it's going back to just being charitable and giving one another the be- benefit of the doubt that we, we, we are attempting to care for one another this way.
2: Yeah. And I've only ever had a couple conversations in real life with people about um, my dress or their dress um, in the church. And I feel like those conversations have just been really fruitful where you know I've had I've had a friend say hey do you think it's modest to wear this and I was like no I actually I don't think that it is (laughs) and she's like okay thanks you know like yeah or I've had someone say to me you know I don't I don't know about that you know thing just and that's only happened to me once and it was done very kindly and I was like you know what you're right yeah and uh, I just think um I just think it can be done so gently within the context of the local church um and I think online, a lot of that gets lost.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to say one more thing before we move on to the next subject. But um, that's a very important point right here is the local church. And that, that really is where this needs to be happening if gals are dressing immodestly and it needs to be gently approached is in the local church, not on Twitter.
0: Do the two ladies who waded into the conversation online agree? I think we do. <laughs> I, uh,
2: I definitely, definitely agree with that. And I am saying this as a person who occasionally wears leggings, but I think I wear them appropriately. So, um, yeah, I'm not, we're not anti-leggings. Us mm-hmm. theology gals, we're not anti-leggings. We mm-hmm. just think we sh- you should use wisdom.
1: Yeah, we just think you need to cover the nether regions. Uh, it,
0: it, It needs to be like an essay. You can make it short enough, I guess, to keep it a little interesting, but it needs to be long enough to cover the subject. (laughs) <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> well, you heard it here first on <laughs> Theology Gals.
1: Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Okay, so,
0: yeah, so here's your list,
2: Theology Gals. There is your list of what you <laughs> Use Angela's essay analogy when you're getting dressed in the morning and you will be fine. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so now we're going to talk about... about Um, patriarchy, feminism, and we've done episodes on both of those things, which I will link in the episode notes uh, since we don't have time to like go in detail. But, you know, I grew up really in the seventies and eighties and in, in the seventies and eighties, you know, you, you had some kind of uh, women going back to work and um, feminism growing and and these sorts of things. And I think in the nineties, especially we saw, kind of a response to this. And here's an example of overcorrection. I think we saw a rise in patriarchy. And now I think what we're seeing is sometimes an overcorrection to patriarchy. So women who are conservative Christians but are a little bit tempted to go too much the other way.
2: Yeah, I think think we've seen that um, a lot, unfortunately, where... And and I do have to be fair that I know people have had truly terrible experiences in these very legalistic, um, uh, patriarchy type churches. Um, and so because they've had these terrible experiences, which I, is just awful. Um, they think there is no way in which, um, the model that this church was drawing from, but distorted, there's no way that that model actually is good because my experience was just so bad. Um, and so, and that's a hard conversation because it's like, you can, you know, these are real things that people have experienced, like really horrible things have done been done in the name of, um, complementarianism. Um, and yet that doesn't mean, um, that, you know, submission and leadership are bad things. It means, um, it means there's just really bad people who've really just distorted what God intended in Ephesians five. When you know He talks about you know wives submitting and husbands leading, um, that that's good. You know God's word is good, and those those that that guidance in Ephesians five is good, and we should follow it. Um, but unfortunately, there's been just truly bad people who have taken it and just made a mess of people's lives with it.
0: You know, I think that that is, um, there is a similar dynamic going on with the leggings conversation, and um, I'm going to add a different one into the mix and say um, people who have grown up in these very legalistic and abusive environments, and maybe there has been um, a lot of abuse um, going on in families and marriages and churches and then I have seen on Twitter um I have seen the argument made well the problem is you don't have women pastors as soon as you know the yeah the way to solve this is that you need to have women pastors so that there's a sharing of power and you know it 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 just kind of It's the same thing, Ashley, that you just said that, you know, the word of God is still good. Um, The word of God still tells us the qualifications um, for ordained ministers in the church. And that is not a position for women. And so uh, what I would say about this with the, um, you know, the temptation to eschew headship and submission because uh, of growing up in a legalistic um, situation or the temptation to have women pastors because of growing up in an abusive situation. Um, what I would say about that is again, go back to the Word of God. Do not think that um, the answer to the difficulty that I experienced is just go out and choose the opposite. No, the answer is go to the Word of God and find a church that is faithfully um, preaching and teaching the Word of God. And oh, by the way, those abusive situations, those, those um, terrible things done in the name of headship and submission, I I would go out there so far as to say, that's not headship and submission. That's abuse. Abuse isn't headship. Abuse isn't even a distortion of headship. It's just, just straight up not headship. Mm -hmm. So it's not fair to judge, um, the biblical system by something that isn't the biblical system. Um, and so we need to go back to the word of God, see what it says. And, and we see that it does still say that um, husbands are to be the head and wives are to submit. And so that is good.
2: God okay. wasn't wrong, you know, when he, in, you know, inspired that he it, it wasn't wrong.
1: <laughs> right. Was and, important. and it hasn't changed culturally either. Yeah. Um, we've seen people online even that will say that complementarianism or not, we're not going to use that word anymore. Submission necessarily is abusive, that it's automatically Mm -hmm. abusive if you have to submit to your husband. But I think that's a misunderstanding of what submission is. Submission is not micromanaging Mm
2: -mm. or
1: controlling. And, you know, I... Submission is like, I don't even think about it. <laughs> you know, I don't think about it that much because it, I think more Christian marriages work out where there's submission and headship work out in the way each of our marriages work out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Our but, husbands aren't controlling us or forcing us to do things or that sort of thing. They're leading us and we are voluntarily submitting.
2: I think if you say that, though, and, and I've seen this happen, where if you say, you know, in my marriage, I do submit to my husband, but we make most decisions together. You know, we um, talk through everything. If you say that, then people say, well, then that's not submission and headship. You know, they they, 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 they have a category error. They, hmm. they, th- they think that submission and headship means that real micromanaging I'm the law of this house and I make the rules and it's my way or the highway and so I have seen this play out where if you say well that's really not what it looks like it's not how it looks in my marriage it not it's not how it looks in my friend's marriage um they say well then then actually what you're doing is not even submission and headship so I found that really interesting
0: Yeah, I have seen that um, play out in a couple of conversations. And um, I guess what I would say about that is that, um, you know, Colleen, backing up, you said, you know, you don't have to use the word complementarian. Yeah, I agree with that. The word complementarian isn't in the Bible, but headship is and submission is. And um, to a certain extent, there is a degree to which that works itself out in each marriage, how it's going to work itself out. And so... um, I am not sure that it is. It's funny because the pushback on some of complementarianism is this idea that all women submit to all men and it's a very complex list of do's and don'ts, and women have to be this and women have to do that, and men have to be this and men have to do that, and all the gender roles. And it's very um, uh, laid out and detailed uh, list of things that we all have to do. And that's what some of these folks are pushing back on. But then You know, when they look at you, Ashley, and say, oh, well, if that's how your marriage works, that's not headship and submission, they're doing exactly the same thing. (laughs) They're telling you, you're not doing it right. You're not doing headship and submission right. And I I think that so much of this is, you know, if if you ask your husband, um, hey, am I submitting and he's pleased? I don't think somebody online has the right to tell you that you're not
2: <laughs> right. And this wasn't something someone said to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. something I saw playing out. Yeah. Um but but I just I'm like, "Oh, so it, you know, I you know, I think the three of us have talked about our marriages on the podcast and how we have good marriages and we defer to our husbands on things and and um you know i do see my husband as the leader of our home um but we we talk everything out we really do and and that's like the beautiful part of complementarianism if okay i know we hate that word or some people hate that word but um that we are complementing each other like mm-hmm. in our roles and and it just works out it just is so i mean we do it because it's biblical but i just it just works so much better than um you know, people who aren't Christians that I know and how their marriages play out, like it just, just flows, you know, it just, there's an order to things. And um, I think people assume people that have been really hurt by extreme complementarianism, assume that, that that's only that extreme that exists. There isn't this, this thing that, three of us are experiencing in our marriages and, and most of our Christian friends I'm sure are experiencing. Um, Cause of course, like there's, there's going to be issues. Like it doesn't make marriage easy, but um, they, they don't think that this exists. And so they don't have a category for it. And so if we say, well, no, this is how my marriage is. They say, well, then you must not be a complimentarian, you know? Um, and, and that's what I really wanted to get across is, is, um, Uh, You know, like Angela, like you said, those people that really, you know, distort it and they use complementarianism for abuse, they're not even, they're not doing anything biblical. They're not, they're, they're abusing, they're taking scripture and abusing it. That's not complementarianism, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, we can debate about whether that word is the best word to use, but, but you're right, you know, leadership and headship um, and submission that is in scripture. We, we can't take it out of Ephesians 5 and elsewhere in Scripture where it is. It's there.
1: You, you yeah. know, I wanted to, I think I just need to input this here real quickly because some people may be confused. The reason why I am uncomfortable with the word complementarian is um, you know, I believe strongly. It's it's only qualified men that are called to be pastors and elders. That wives are to submit voluntarily to their husbands, and husbands are to lead their wives. I believe all of that. But within complementarianism is an idea that all women are to submit to all men in some way. They wouldn't say it quite like that, but to the point that they would say, "You, if you are um, a manager at Taco Bell, and you're a woman, and you're managing men." Um, you need to be very careful to not usurp their natural authority over you. Hmm. And so that is our issue with, um, so com- it's, it's three things for me, um, the eternal subordination of the sun, which a lot of complementarians believe we did episodes on that. And their, um, their theological view of eternal subordination plays out in what they believe about biblical manhood and womanhood. And also uh a different view of Genesis three sixteen, and I guess all women submitting to all men kind of falls under underneath those. Um, so, anyways, that is why some of us are inc- are uncomfortable with the word. We believe those primary things, but but there's uh, other things attached to complementarianism itself um, that are not biblical.
0: Colleen, I'm really glad you said that because I was about to jump in and say um, some similar things. You know, talking about whether or not we love the word complementarian or hate the word complementarian, and I I was just going to say for myself, I don't, I I don't personally love it or hate it. Um, I think that it's fine for um, that if someone wants to um, make it important for them to say, "I'm a complementarian." I don't have an issue with that, and that's fine. And I think a lot of folks out there are not aware of the things that you just said that very often does accompany complementarianism. Um, And so I think the average lady out there in the Theology Gals group who says, hey, I'm complementarian, what she means is I submit to my husband and I'm not trying to be a pastor and that's that's what we also believe, and so um, I think what we would not do is make it a test of or orthodoxy or salvation. Hey, are you willing to call yourself a complementarian? Oh, you're not. Oh, this is a big problem. You know, we certainly wouldn't do that either. So, um, and and all of the things that you just said that are um, the issues that you know we're aware of because we talk about these things. Um, you know, a lot of folks out there are not aware of them, and and that's fine. Um, we're all growing and learning. So. I would not personally go so far as to say that I hate the word. And I think that there are conversations that I have sometimes where it is appropriate and where all the parties in the conversation understand all the issues where I'll say, yeah, I'm complimentarian in that way. And I'll say, you know, I submit to my husband and I don't believe women should be pastors. And so um, it it really does make a difference, you know, where the conversation is going on, but I'm really glad you brought that stuff up.
2: I I mean, I agree with, Thank you Colleen for clarifying and Angela for further clarifying. Um, I, yeah, I think it's kind of like in certain company I'm very comfortable saying, "Oh yeah, I'm complementary" because like mm-hmm. you said, like you said Angela, to most people that means I submit to my husband and I don't think women should be pastors. Um, it, but if I if I'm in another company, I might say I'm not but here's why and and mm-hmm. and I do affirm, you know, submission and leadership um, in marriage only. Yeah. Um, I'm not to submit to all men. Um, and I do affirm that only men are called to the office of um, pastor and elder. So um, it, it, is, it feels sometimes like it's just semantics, but I do think we should mm-hmm. be clear with our definitions um, and what we're saying. So I'm really glad both of you um, clarified that.
1: So I wanted to mention on submission, because I think, Ashley, you were primarily primarily addressing decision making and i and i think that submission is just you know a lot more than that i think people think of submission like that i think that they think that submission means when there's a decision to be made the husband makes it but that's not really mm-hmm. what submission is in its entirety and and if you look up in the bible dictionary again you will see under submission there it's one of the Definitions is obedience, so there is an aspect to that. Uh, but when a husband is leading and loving his wife as Christ loves the church, he is not going to micromanage her. Um, he is not. He is not going to be selfish in his. If if there's maybe something that he does choose, so. I've had situations in my own marriage where I maybe have different wishes about something than my husband, but I do submit to him and his wishes on the thing. But I also trust that whatever my husband is deciding or however he's leading us, that he that he is doing what he believes is wise and good for our family and for me. And I I'm very comforted in that, even if it's something different. I think I shared with Ashley, and I can't remember if I shared with you, Angela, a story about submission. Because I don't think about it very often, but I thought about it recently. I needed a new cell phone. I really, really wanted the new Samsung cell phone, Samsung Galaxy phone. And it is very, very expensive. And my husband really, he doesn't like doing um, the leases for phones he prefers that we just purchase a phone right out. So that's actually very important to him. I personally maybe would do a lease on a phone, but my husband does not like leases and he prefers that we purchase right out. And my husband also, since both of us want to be wise with our money, spending $900 to $1,000 on a phone is not what he wanted me to do. And even though I really wanted that Galaxy phone, even though I could even afford it, I knew that. He um, wished that I would get the more inexpensive phone, which I did. And so that sometimes is how it works out in, in my family that he's leading us, but he's also leading us to be wise financially and to make good decisions overall for our family.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a really great, um, great example.
1: On these subjects, we've not, I don't want anyone to think that this is a thorough defense of why you shouldn't wear leggings that don't cover certain regions of your body. Um, nor is it a thorough defense of what we believe about biblical manhood and womanhood. But what we are hoping to do with this episode is to encourage each of our listeners to go back to scripture. I think I've had things in my own life where I've encountered a legalistic or more extreme view and I feel very defensive and it's natural for me to automatically think that I embrace you know something totally different. So, um, for example, the the modesty thing—it's it's easy when there's an overemphasis on it, an overemphasis on you know women dress this way so your brothers don't lust. It's easy for me to actually think, you know, what it's their fault if they lust. I'm going to wear what I want to. There, and there's other things like that. But it's so important with all of these things to not draft our view as something that's just reactionary to another view, but to go back to the word of Mm God.
2: Um, So one thing I I was thinking earlier, you know, just to close as I was thinking, you know, you know, we hear, Hey guys, maybe it's not best to just wear leggings and like a shirt, you know, where there's like nothing to the imagination and something inside of us might go like, but I want to, (laughs) you know? um, Mm. And I see some people, um, almost acting like that's kind of like an oppressive thing to, to, to ask like for our brothers in Christ to say, Hey, this is a little hard and like, it's like oppressive or I don't know if oppressive is even the best word, but I don't think we should feel that way. Like I I think if um, I think if our brothers in Christ are pointing something out to us, um, I don't think our first reaction should be like, but I have the right to you know, um, or, mm. or this is oppressive or you're telling me what to do and you're not allowed to, I don't have to submit to you, you know, or, um, but to, to take a second and think about it. And I don't think we should cherish, you know, worldly things so tightly, <laughs> you know, like it, if leggings is a problem, I don't need to wear them, you know, uh, you know, inappropriately. Um, it's not, it's not that important of a thing where, you know, the, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there's just this like cherishing of, of things and like, no, you won't. You can pry it out of my cold dead hands kind of <laughs> mentality <laughs> um, rather than just listening and going, okay, maybe I can think about giving that thing up or um not taking that thing so seriously, Um, if that makes sense.
0: I absolutely agree. I think that this is Part of what we do to function in the body of Christ um, is serve one another, um, th- think about how we can meet one another's needs. And um, just as you said, Ashley, not not cherishing the things, you know, cherish um, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we are unified with Christ with them, not with leggings, not with, you know, meat sacrifice to idols or eating and drinking or all of the other things that we have, um, you know, maybe we're talking about things that we technically have freedom in. Um, but what, what can I lay down to serve my brother or sister in Christ and cherish them above the things that I perceive as my rights?
2: I know an example that Colleen used when we were discussing this is, you know, I like, I like to have wine and, um, there's a couple other different types of alcohol that I really like, but if my alcoholic friend comes over, I put that stuff away, you know, it's not out. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm caring for, um, them and not being like, Hey, do you want a glass of wine? Like I wouldn't do that. Like we do things like this all the time where we take special considerations for people who struggle with different things. And so I really don't think this is as crazy as people are making it seem Mm. um, that we would consider our brothers in Christ in this.
0: Right. I I think part of what, you know, brings that, brings it up to that fever pitch is all the things we've talked about, you know, people have a background that's legalistic. And so it's easy to immediately bow up because you're being pulled. You're, you feel like you're being pulled back to that environment. And then some, sometimes it's the way that, um, that it may be is said, you know, there's, there's a, a group of men who will say, Hey sisters, can you hear me? This is hard. And then there's another group of men who will say, you guys aren't doing it right. You're nasty. You go out dressed like this and it's yucky and it's not Christian. And, and so I, it's all of these different things um, that make the conversation hard that um, it doesn't have to be this hard. It doesn't have to be this hard. We, um, we should soften to one another and um, serve one
1: another. And kind of what I'm hearing you say, Angela, is speak the truth in love. Yes, we should speak the truth. Nobody's saying not to speak the truth, but do it in love and do it with wisdom. And, you know, Proverbs talks about the wisdom of many counselors. And if you're not sure, go to other brothers and sisters and and get some perspective. So I'm so glad, Ashley, you could join us for this and you might join us sometimes in the future. Yeah.
2: If you'll have me back, if the listeners aren't like, oh, gosh, I thought we got rid of her. (laughs) I got an email.
0: Anyone who doesn't want Ashley back, call me. We're going to have problems.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I got an email that said, when's Ashley coming back? Oh, that's sweet. So.
2: Oh, you guys are just inflating my ego now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whatever gets you back with
2: us, actually.
1: <laughs> well, I know that I know that some people are gonna take issue with this episode, so you can email us at theologygals at gmail dot com if you want to tell us that we're wrong. Uh-huh. And- Okay, we don't
0: do controversy. No.
1: That's right. That, that's right. So, well, we appreciate you all joining us. I do want to tell you, we have some super huge topics coming up. We have a really amazing guest, and I can't think of a better guest to discuss this topic. We're going to be talking about celebrity pastors, and um, I'll leave everyone on the edge of their seat, but let me just tell you, this is the perfect guest for that topic. And we are planning a Hebrew Roots episode, because many people have requested that. So we're working out the details, and one on being single. That's up there on one of our most requested topics, but it's hard because we're married, And but we're bringing in an amazing single gal that has a lot of wisdom on the subject. So those that's a few of the topics that you can look forward to in the next few weeks. So thank you so much for joining us, and we will be back next
2: week.